Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Yo! Listening to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio Rewind, where today we're going to talk about our seven-night Canada New England cruise aboard Carnival Sunrise. Kind of a pros and cons, kind of, you know, ten things you need to know about the cruise. Joining me right now is staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, before we start talking about the things to know for this Canada New England itinerary, we'll talk about the itinerary first, and that's going to be, we started in Brooklyn, it was supposed to be Manhattan, but we got switched because the cruise pier was condemned or something like that. After Brooklyn, we had a day at sea, and then we went to St. John, New Brunswick, Halifax, Portland, Maine, and then Boston, and then another day at sea, and then we're back tomorrow, unfortunately. So I guess, let me get your thoughts of this cruise first before we hop into these 10 points. This has actually been one of my favorite cruises I've ever done. Um, It's a little bit different because of the itinerary, because I'm going north, I usually go south, because of the crowd that this itinerary, about basically because of all the things we're about to talk about, but it's been really a fantastic week. So we were originally going to call this pros and cons of a Canada New England cruise, but then we got to thinking, like, okay, so one of the points is fewer kids. That could be a pro if you don't like sailing with a lot of kids, but that could be a con if you're sailing as a family and want your kids to pal around with people. And that's true of almost anything. When you do a pro and cons list, that's why you do them, because for everything there is a pro, there is a con. So we figured instead we would just sort of look at the cruise as a whole and talk about what makes this type of itinerary a little bit different than maybe your typical carnival itinerary. Yeah, and since we mentioned it, definitely fewer kids on here. I think maybe there's a hundred, if that. Like, I I I legit didn't see any kids. I've seen like four. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen four. Yeah, four one night. I saw two toddlers, and then I've slowly started seeing more as the cruise has gone on. So I have no clue where they've been the whole cruise, but it's been relaxing. No, it's been great. The only time I really saw kids was this morning at the Cat in the Hat breakfast, where we were the oldest people right. there. <laughs> we really were. And we're dude, pushing the kids out of the way to get our pictures taken. I know. You walked in front of this kid who was, who was getting the photo with Dr. Seward I did. Cat I, I did. Like, I felt doing? bad. I felt bad. But I wanted my picture. Yeah. So fewer kids is definitely one something you should know about a Canada New England itinerary. And I guess this is like a leaf peeping cruise, I guess they call it. Yeah. I mean, the leaves haven't really turned yet. Again back to fewer kids, it's because the kids are back in school August or September and the prime leaf viewing is like September or October. And be, and as a result, on the opposite side of that, it means you're getting sort of an older crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fewer kids, more older people. And, you know, I'm 55, so I'm counting myself as one of those older people. And that gives it a little bit different of a feel as well. A lot of the things we talk about today give it a little bit different feel than you might get from a what you would call a quote-unquote normal cruise. And speaking of the older guests, that's going to segue into our next point where early dining goes pretty much first on this cruise because people like to eat early. I know whenever I booked my dining reservation, early time and any time were waitlisted. And the only thing that was wide open was 
uh, the 815 dining. Right. So that's what I was just capped because I didn't want to deal with changing it and all that stuff. But I think it's something to consider that you, if you want to book one of these cruises, do it early if you want a prime dining spot because anytime and early are the first to go. Yeah, and the anytime, the line is out the door, which is interesting. I think a lot of people don't yet realize, and we've talked about it, I've read about it in other places. A lot of people don't realize you can actually do that on the Carnival Hub app. So you don't have to stand in that endless line that leads into the casino. You can actually... You know, go online, get your time, get your assignment, and go straight to the dining room as opposed to standing in line. But I think, again, the fact that there are a lot of older people on here um, does make those early times go. Because, you know, that's that's sort of the old stereotype is the early bird special. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, you go to any retirement home and they'll have an early bird special where everybody eats early. So Fall foliage, that is, that's a timing thing. And, and it's so hard to tell these days. You know, I think... Five years ago, if we had sailed this exact same week, I think fall foliage would be in full bloom. Uh, I did this cruise three years ago, and uh, I didn't really see any fall foliage, but that was because the weather was so bad. So, mm-hmm. and we saw some. There were spots. Yeah, yeah, there was. A, yeah. There'd be like a there'd be like a field of green with a bright red tree in it. So it wasn't everywhere, but we saw some. Yeah, I think the port I noticed it the most uh, was Portland, actually. Uh, by the lighthouse, there were spots of the trees that already had the orange leaves on them next to the trees with the all green leaves. Right, so exactly. it, was, it was very random. <laughs> it but, was. Like, this tree was like, okay, I'm going first. And everyone, maybe everyone's going to follow? I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah, maybe that's it. I guess we should probably talk about the ports themselves. One thing that you should know about these ports, and it, you know, we only hit four on this one, but you know, there's a lot of ports that dot the Canada New England itinerary, depending on what cruise line or what cruise ship you go on. But they're smaller ports, and they're less commercialized. Like, you're not going to find a Diamonds International, or you're not going to find a Senior Frogs when you step off the ship in a Canada-New England itinerary. It was actually funny. When we were in one of the ports, I, I can't remember which one. I think it was Halifax. I actually heard somebody asking if there was a Senior Frogs <laughs> in the area. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. You are on the wrong ship during the wrong time, going to the wrong place. But, you know, smaller ports, it's nice, though, right? Oh. Because I think the the busiest port we were in had three ships and that was Halifax. Yeah. That so. makes it that's nice about this time of year. It's also the smaller port and these sort of uh, more intimate ports make it a little easier to do your own thing than it might be otherwise. It's it's not been none of the ports have really been overly crowded. So it's yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good time of year, I think is if you're looking for to explore these types of ports. You know, you're not going to get surf and sand. You're not going to get sun and fun in the sun. This is more, you know, for the history buffs, for the people who want to see interesting architecture, for the people who want to explore a city they've never been to. Which brings us to planning your own excursion is always a good thing on here. Yeah, you can buy an excursion through the cruise line and you're going to severely overpay. We went to, in Halifax, there were three of us, and we went to Peggy's Cove, which is that lighthouse that everyone gets photos of. Um, they have like a lobster bake there and all that, whatever you want to do. And so we were looking at the cruise line excursion, and it was like $69, $79 a person just for the lighthouse. So I just walked off the ship, and I found a taxi driver, and he said we could have him for three hours for 152 Canadian dollars, which turned out to be 114 U.S. dollars, and that was a steal of the deal because divided by three of us, that's like with a tip, like 50 bucks a person. So we're automatically saving 20 or 30 bucks a person off the cruise line price. And the other thing that really makes that nice is you get to personalize it. When you go on one of the shore excursions through the ship, you know, you are going to have the exact same experience as everyone else on the ship. 
you also, a lot of times, let's say you don't make it on that first bus of the day and you end up on the second or third bus of the day. What ends up happening is uh, if it's running late, you may not get to see everything that you thought. Um, you read a lot about how that that excursion usually goes to the lighthouse and then stops at the very famous cemetery where a lot of people from Titanic are buried. If you're on one of the later buses, you may end up skipping that to get back in time. So by doing it on your own, you get to plan it. We, we were able, we had a great driver who said, you know, what are you interested in seeing? Let me cater this to you. And it was amazing. And that's another thing, right? Like I am really big into, I do not like crowds at all. So if you want to, personalization is one of them. But the second thing for me was just the three of us hopping in the cab and you were in the front seat with the cab driver, and we were, Ashley and I were in the back, and we just had a nice, spacious car up there. Some nice narration. You know, if, if he, if we wanted him to talk, he would. If we didn't, he would wouldn't have said a word. Kind of like an Uber, I guess. Um, the other great thing about it was once we got there, and he he actually mentioned this. We got off the ship, and we immediately, you found the cab, and we went. Um, With an excursion, you have to wait for everybody to get off. You have to wait for everybody to go. We actually beat the tour buses there. Which was nice. So Peggy's Cove gets really crowded when you get, like, all the tour buses there at the same time. We were there. There were people there, but it wasn't anything like it was going to be, you know, a few hours later, it was going to be like looking at ants on an, on an anthill. There would just mm-hmm. be thousands of people. But, yeah, it made it made a big difference in, in the, how much you get to enjoy the experience. Yeah, it was a good feeling as we were coming down the mountain or whatever, the hill there, and all the tour buses were going up. I'm like, we made it We made it just in time, time. yeah. <laughs> and you should always research your ports. Like, I mean, yeah, these ports are ports. You could actually get off the ship and find something to do, but you want to know the lay of the land before you get there i mean even if that involves going to one of these shore talks and just picking up a shore map you know where the shops are or whatever at least you'll have a grid of where everything is to see if it's walkable or if it's not walkable like boston is a great example of that because i thought i came into this with the misconception that we would basically the ship would dock and we would step off and we would be in the middle of downtown we'd be in the middle of historic boston but it actually is a ways away so we ended up getting an uber and going to to the Freedom Trail and exploring that. So it is good. You need to do a little bit of research. But once you've done that research, you can sort of like plan your own excursions instead of necessarily relying on the cruise ships. I feel like when we were here a couple of years ago, I walked into the city. I remember it was like an hour, I think. But I think I walked. Do you remember if I did? You did. And that makes sense because... In the I, rain. Yeah, in the rain. I didn't even get off the ship. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, go have a good time. I'm just... That's just not me. But it makes sense it would take about an hour because when we got here um, and I was looking to see where, like, Quincy Hall was, uh, the app said, you know, you know how it'll tell you how, how long it'll take you by train, how long by car. And it said about a 41-minute walk. So that makes sense that you probably walked about an hour. In the rain, like an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and pretty much. It, the Freedom Trail started at Boston Commons. Is that uh, where the, the, yes, the state the house right yep, there? Yep, at the park. And it's just a, if you're not familiar with Boston, um, it's a red line that runs through the whole city. So as long as you stay on the line, you're not going to get lost. Yeah, you're sort of like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. You're right. just following, except in this case, it's a red brick. And and you can, there are parts where, you know, if you're not paying attention, you can sort of like walk yeah. around. We did that a couple of times. And I had to like kind of turn around and be like, wait, 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 where'd the trail go? Yeah, we actually we did that where the uh, Boston Massacre happened. Um, the line kind of made a sharp right around the building. We kept walking. And we're like, oh, gosh, we're off the, <laughs> we're off we're the, off the red what line. What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> where'd it go? But from start to finish, it took us just, uh, just about five hours, but we did stop at Cheers. 
And had, that's that's the cool thing is yeah. the Freedom Trail, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what to expect of the Freedom Trail, but it really, it not only shows you all these historic sites, but it takes you through Little Italy. We had a great meal in Little Italy. Mm-hmm. You can go to Quincy Market, which is also where Cheers is, which is another thing. I didn't know Quincy Market had, you know, that Cheers was there. So we stopped there and had drinks. It, it really gives you a great chance to explore that city. I think if you were to do the Freedom Trail without stopping and just, like, we really took in the sites. Like, we went into all the cemeteries, took photos, read the plaques, all of that. But I think if you were to just to go through it and not stop at all, you could probably do it in about two and a half hours. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? It's worth noting there are, you know, um, if you have any kind of um, disabilities or if you don't particularly like hills and stuff, there is, there is, there are some parts of it that are up some hills. Uh, Yeah. But, but it's, yeah, it's a... It's a great way to spend the day. You really get to see a lot of the city. I was surprised by that. It, the Freedom Trail ends at Bunker Hill, where the Battle of Bunker Hill happened, uh, which is a national park. And it's like, you know, it's almost like you're running, a, for me, like you're running a marathon, and you go, you see the big Battle of Bunker Hill Memorial, but it's all uphill. <laughs> to, me, to, me it reminded, to me, it made me think of the Amazing Race. Like, like you, you, know, you finally see Phil standing on the mat, and, you find, and that's all you have to do is get there, and you're finally done. But no, it's uphill. <laughs> and if, I guess while we're talking about Boston, we should probably say, because I know when you go to big cities, everyone's like, where do you go to the restroom? On the Freedom Trail, there's only a couple of public restrooms, right? Where it starts, there's a visitor information. Center that is a public restroom, and then you know if you go through like a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts, you usually just, you have to make a purchase. You do because they buzz you in. Yeah, we learned that. We stopped in, which was fine. We we're going to buy something, buy something anyway. But they buzzed us in. And there's a couple of public markets along the way, like Faneuil Hall, Quincy Marketplace mm-hmm. had public restrooms. Cheers, Cheers mm-hmm. did as well. The, the start of the trail and the end of the trail happened. You know, if nobody has done this, we may have just found our million dollar idea. We should build an app that tells you, you know, whatever port you go to, here are the public restrooms <laughs> yeah. you can access. Exactly. Yeah, we, we probably should. <laughs> With this itinerary, it's good to dress in layers because I did notice, like, I mean, right now as we record this, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops, but we're between Boston and Manhattan right now, so it's kind of getting warmer. But as we got more northerly, is that the right way to yeah. say it? Yeah. It got a little chilly. Well, not only that, but um, you can start off the day with one temperature and it changes the day goes by for example when we were in portland uh, Portland, we had we were riding a trolley we had we found this great trolley ride that was like two hours something like that Mm -hmm. took you all around the city had a hysteric if you are in portland and you are doing the trolley that they uh, offer um try and get on the trolley of a guy named charlie he is one of the funniest guys he just he he says flat up he's like if i haven't offended you yet i will but he's very (laughs) funny but the thing is, it's an, uh, the trolley has sort of open sides, and there are plastic windows you can close. But when we started it, Doug in particular was, you know, he was fine. He had his, like, long sleeve but very thin layer on. By the time it was over, um, I could see this Florida boy just sort of, like, like slowly curling up in a ball and praying that something would set on fire. Well, <laughs> we get to the—so the tour takes us to a lighthouse where you get to stay for 30 minutes. And so we get to the lighthouse, so you're at the halfway point pretty much. And it's an open-air trolley, so then you walk to the um, lighthouse, and then the driver's like, are you chilly back here? We're like, yeah, a little bit. So he finally roll, you know, zippers the plastic windows up, which was a nice And it nice started touch. raining, so the yeah. rain was coming in the sides, too. So, yeah, I could see you just slowly but surely. Uh, oh, that was, that was not pretty. Well, because, you know, 60 is not cool to me. Like, 60 is shorts and a, a T-shirt. But then me. the wind. But the wind, the wind and the rain you. and everything, so, yeah. yeah. Another good uh, tip there is to watch the weather forecast yeah. for the port of call. Yeah, You're very in. much so. And, and like I said, it can change. You know, when we started off in the morning, 
it was it was a beautiful morning, and yeah. as the day went by, it it changed a little bit. But that's you know, take a backpack, throw a sweater in, or take a backpack that you can later throw your sweater in when it gets hot. Because that happened in Boston. You started off with oh yeah, you, you know, you started Super. off with sweaters and layers. And by the time we got to Bunker Hill, you were you were sweating through that stuff and just took the top layers off. What's that place in Portland we went to have lunch? It was so good. It's called the Portland Lobster Company. It's right on um, what's that Main Street? Commercial Street. Commercial. Like, com- yeah. And it's you know it's about maybe half a mile, three quarters of a mile away from the port. Simple place, you know, just a just a shack sort of thing where you go in and you place your order. But they have, you know, um, lobster rolls and whole belly clams, which are sort of my obsession. And they have a nice big uh, dock on the back that you can sit and you can. Uh, they had a band playing. It was it was a great, really nice place to go for lunch. Really enjoyed it. And don't let the looks be deceiving because we, like we went there uh, what in sixteen. Yeah, and we thought it was just a little tiny white shack. Yeah, but you walk out the back door. And there's like seating, a thousand feet of seating, a thousand yeah. foot of seating. Easily, easily. Yeah. And it's right on the waterfront, so it's really nice. Uh, yeah, that was that was a, a really nice spot. I'm glad we found that. We also found a donut place after the tour. Actually, we went to uh, Holy Donut. Was that, I think that's what it was called. It Holy was called donut. Holy Donut, yeah. H-O-L-Y. Um, and that was that was Charlie's recommendation. And, and as we were driving by, he raved. He would rave about some of the food places that he liked, and he raved about this. And Ashley's eyes, as soon as she heard about them, got like... Like, you know, boing, huge. So you guys had to walk back and get the donuts. I went back to the ship, and it happened that on our ship, you get some eclectic people. There's a square dancing group on the ship, and they were on the pier square dancing. And I got to watch them for about 15 minutes, and it was one of the coolest things to see people who are traveling with you just spontaneously, joyfully square dancing in the middle of the pier. It was yeah because we were walking back to the ship. It was so random because you had your nice Canon camera, like you were doing a photo shoot with them. I'm like, what the hell is Richard doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I talked to them for a while, and they that I told them when I get home, I'll put together a disc and send them the photos. They were just some of the nicest people you'll ever meet, and they were just they were they were living their best life, you know, dancing in the rain. <laughs> One thing we should probably also mention with the Canada ports of call, the Canadian ports, the Maritimes up there, is you don't have to worry about currency conversion. No, they'll take care of that for you. They're, they know they're getting, a, especially in these port cities, they know they're getting a whole lot of people from the cruise ships. So they're completely prepared to tell you exactly how much it's going to cost in American money. That's what, like, well, I thought just by looking at the sign that the 152 that I hired the, the driver for was going to be 152 U.S. And it was, a uh, you know, 152 Canadian, which I said was 114 U.S. It was a bargain either way, but yeah. that was an even better bargain. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> for sure. All right, so we only have a couple more minutes in here because we're doing something in here at 5 o'clock. But the first question comes from Kevin. He says, we are curious about things to do in port on a Canada-New England cruise. You know, it's, it is different than going to the Bahamas or Bermuda or the Mediterranean in that you're not going to have your days in the sun. You're not going to have your beach days. But... There is so much to do. It's a, it's one of those great things where um, a little bit of research is really going to be your friend. Because if you go to, say, Bermuda, it doesn't take a lot of research. Just go to the beach. But when you're coming up to Canada, when you're coming to Portland, when you're coming to Boston, you know, you need to do at least a little bit of research and figure out what you want to do. Unless you plan on staying in the sh- on the ship, which is, of course, perfectly fine. But it's pretty easy. You can also, on the ship, they'll have um, uh, meetings where they'll talk to you about the port that's coming up and talk to you about the various things that are available. Of course, in those meetings, they're going to talk about the cruise ship excursions. But you can always take the information they're giving you there and then do what we were talking about earlier and sort of plan your own version of that. The next question comes from Marissa. Do you think a Canada-New England cruise would be worthwhile for someone that is from the New England area? You know, the 
easiest way to answer that is to say this. I've lived in New York City for 15 years now, and I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. I've never been to um, many of the museums in the city. So I think yes. I also think if you're traveling with other people, it gives you an opportunity to show off the things that you do know and love about your area. Even if you are, let's say you are from Boston, you're going to be going to a lot of places other than just that one port. So maybe that one port you, you know, don't really know, you already know a lot about. But you're going to go to other places and see other things. I'd say 100%. Wesley asked the next question, are the port times any longer than a Bahamas or Caribbean itinerary? Well, I'll say this. When I was on Norwegian earlier this year, uh, I stopped in St. Thomas and we got there at 7 a.m. and had to be back on ship by, I think it was 1 p.m. Uh, here, we had most of our back on ship times were 5.30. It might have been nice to stay a little later so that if you wanted to, you know, go to dinner in a restaurant, say in Boston or something like that, that would be nice. But we had lunch everywhere we went. Uh, Boston was the one port where for, at least for our sailing, we were back a little bit earlier than might have been um, ideal. We had to be back on the ship by 3.30 on that particular day. Would have been nice to have a couple extra hours, I think, in Boston. Because we, by the time we walked the trail and stopped and had lunch... Um, we, we were sort of in a rush to get back to the ship. Oh, it, we were like right against the, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, were, we got we got there about 15 minutes. Before, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before all aboard. Yeah, so, you know, I do think you have plenty of time to see and explore, but I'm also always of the belief that um, when you're on a port-intensive trip, it doesn't hurt to have as much time as possible in the ports. Linda has the next question. She's going on this cruise, but with Viking Ocean Cruises next year, um, and she wants to know what we suggest for Portland. First of all, if you need a travel companion, let me know because that sounds like an amazing itinerary on a really great ship that I have never done. So, you know, hit us up. I'll go with you. Um, As far as Portland's concerned, there's a lot to do right there. I mean, you step off the ship and there's shopping areas. There's tons of restaurants. Um, Like I said, we did a great trolley tour that wasn't expensive. Uh, We also took a walk about maybe 15 minutes away to the Victorian house, which is a very famous um, home being redone in the area. It's gorgeous if you happen to be the kind of person who's into, um, you know, antiques and and beautifully redone homes. A lot of people on our sailing also went to Kennebunkport. Kennebunkport's about 30 miles away. Uh, Of course, that's where the Bush family estate is. And I guess the day we were there, you could tell the Bushes were there because the flag was flying. And when the flag's flying, that means the Bush family is staying at their estate. You can take boat rides out there. There are beaches to walk. There's really, uh, Kennebunkport is very well known for sea glass. So if you happen to be a sea glass collector. And there were a lot of restaurants out there. I heard many, many people talking about the very good lobster meals they had out in Kennebunkport. So, you know, whether you decide to stay in town or get just a little bit out of town. There's a lot to do in Portland. Next question comes from Ted. He asks if there are tours to Fenway Park. Um, So on our cruise, we didn't have one or on our excursion guide, we didn't have one. But again, I'm not a big baseball fan, so I couldn't tell you if there was a game or not that day. But I have seen just by doing a quick search on Viator or different excursion companies out there that they do offer tours of Fenway Park. You just kind of have to prearrange that before you get there and make sure there isn't a game at the field that day because that could impact you. Yeah, I assume that's really going to be a thing that has more to do with timing than anything else. Uh, But you definitely want to check it out because you don't want to be that guy who tells everybody uh, that you're sailing with, hey, I'm going to take you all to Fenway Park. And then you get there and find (laughs) out, yeah, we're not going to Fenway Park. (laughs) 
And the last question comes from Malcolm. What is there to do in Halifax? You know what I liked about Halifax this time around? I could actually see it. When we were there last <laughs> time, it was very foggy. It was misty. Um, I think pretty much the only thing we did when we did this trip three years ago was go to the casino. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it. This time, uh, we really went all around. And there's a lot to see in Halifax. There's the Citadel, uh, which is a lot bigger than you think it is. Um, when you look at it on a map, you don't really get it until you get there and, and, and walk around and realize it's humongous. Plan a little time for that. Uh, even right along the pier, there's uh, there's a very nice market there. If you go further down the pier, there are uh, often classic ships in port. There's Teddy the Tugboat is there mm-hmm. to visit. Uh, and if you keep going down, you can go to... If you have not gotten enough gambling on the ship, you can go to the casino there. And it's a it's a pretty nice casino. It's very big. Um, it's uh, bright. There's a couple of restaurants in there. So there's there's quite a bit to do in Halifax. What else do we do in Halifax? It seems like so long ago. Yeah, well, there's, and there's not Uber in Halifax. No, it's no there all, is not. So, but the, the taxi cabs are done by zone, so you're not going to get like ripped off from someone because you negotiate right up front where you're going and all this stuff. So that's always good to know. The other thing is you don't necessarily have to know what you want to do because, for example, the driver that we hired, he had plenty of suggestions. He was like, you know, do you want to see this, that, and the other thing once we've gone to see what you came here to see? And if you've got a local who wants to show you around, that's that's invaluable. You know, that's going to be more valuable than even a shore excursion because that is someone who lives here and knows the area. All right, man. So final thoughts of this itinerary. Fantastic. I, I actually, as a result of this trip, am already looking forward to booking another one. I know Mardi Gras is going to do one uh, coming up down the line and other lines have them as well. I really, it's it's a different kind of cruise and I'm really looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, Holland America also does a really cool itinerary. They have some really cool ones from New York and Boston, like 10-nighters. that yeah. actually end in Quebec City with an overnight in Quebec, which is really cool. I've done that like five or six years ago. Really enjoyed that. Great itinerary. Being from Florida, loving the break in the weather. I mean, it was nice to have to, you know, be able to wear a sweatshirt in September. So uh, we don't normally pull those out of the closet until, well, I have it. I wear one every day in my office because it's so freaking <laughs> cold in there. But as far as outside, not until around November or so. So that was nice. Um, with that said, if you have any questions about this itinerary, Canada, New England, drop me an email, Doug at cruiseradio.net. Happy to answer those for you. Richard, thanks for stopping by again, man. Ah, always glad to. Now, can I hit the casino? You are free to leave, my friend. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you Thursday. Take care.